Welcome to the Sellernomics Podcast, where we share valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Today's episode is brought to you by Gatita, the global leader in FBA auditing and reimbursements. Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Stanley and Lisa Kinski. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Sellernomics. My name is Lisa Kinski, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Rob Stanley. And today we are talking about Amazon bookkeeping. I I think this is always an interesting conversation because neither of us are, at least I know from me, not an accounting or bookkeeping person. Not accounting. I hate bookkeeping. So (laughs) it's always fun. I like this guy. I like this guy. I just hate bookkeeping. (laughs) Awesome guest. But I always think it's funny whenever we have a guest come on about a topic that both of us are just like deer in headlights. (laughs) So we always end up learning a ton. So very excited to welcome Nachman Leeser with Connect Books. And we're going to be talking about, uh, like we just said, Amazon bookkeeping and the key to writing out the recession. So let's bring him on. Nachman, how are you today? Great. How are you? Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Rob. It's great being here. Yes, we're yeah, very, very good. excited to have you. Always good to see you at, in your team at shows and things. Um, and I talk with Michael pretty frequently, but uh, looking forward to, to get to know you and your service more today. So so let's just jump straight into it. I mean, you know, we're talking about the key to writing out a recession. How has the market changed in the last, I don't know, let's say year, but that might even be too long, six months? Um, it's better to look at a year because, okay, you know, a year ago, the market was very high, like meaning to say, kind of was booming. Um, there was a lot of money out there. Sales were up. People couldn't hire. It slowed down a little bit. Holiday season took another boom. Then it took a bigger dip and it's slowly picking back up. But the market today is very different than the market uh, completely a year ago. A year ago, like it was just easy to sell. Now, when I say easy to sell, I mean, across the board, it's whether it's in software, whether it's in Amazon sales, whether, you know, we, I see it from all different angles. So when there's a lot of money outside, people have a ton of money. Everybody is just buying, buying, buying. And also when interest rates are very low, people think differently because people know, okay, if I need more money, I can always get another loan. I can do this. I can raise money. Yeah. Those were the VC companies. The minute interest rates are getting more expensive, People are thinking, okay, so if I'm overspending, I won't be able to get more money. So then I got to really make sure that I'm being profitable and I'm also saving something so that in case I'm not like that. So people are thinking twice these days before they're buying. People are buying, and and besides that, people are buying less because of inflation and all that put together. But also in when people have less money and the economy is down, people are really thinking twice. So in, in terms of sales and everything, it definitely took a huge drop. It, things have definitely moved around. And, you know, what I'm seeing is that it also depends really on different type of businesses. I once heard a saying, like, when it rains, it rains all over. So when, you know, there's a lot of sales, then, you know, everybody does well when it's a good economy. What happens is when the economy doesn't go that well, what I, what I see is, and I see this in a lot of different industries, and I've seen this in many industries that, you know, prior joining the Amazon industry, is that when the economy doesn't do well, what happens is only the good ones stay out. So let's, let's use like a common example. Let's say 
during COVID, everybody was busy refining their mortgage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I saw a study recently that um, 60% of Americans have mortgage rates under 4%. So that's kind of really what's a lot causing the housing crisis. Oh. But every single person, almost every single person refinanced their mortgage during COVID. Now, during COVID, if you tried to call a good broker, they wouldn't answer the phone. They had lists of like maybe 10 applications a day to, to kind of fill. They were just trying to catch their breath. So there's a lot of people who like were laid off from different industries, like people who was in travel or in other industries that got laid off. So they, they joined the mortgage industry and, you know, they started doing it. And they were, they were also able to put in applications because there were so many people applying and the good mortgage brokers weren't picking up. So you're like, let me just find anybody who's going to help me go through the process and get it done. Now, as times have changed, all those people who joined during COVID and didn't really have real business are completely out of the mortgage industry. And you see huge decline, whether, you know, even Chase has laid off, they have um, laid off a lot of people from the mortgage department because they're just not putting in that many applications. So what it basically happens is the good brokers, the people who know their trade, those are the ones who know how to find new customers. Those are know who, who know how to retain customers. They're actually staying at the top. The ones that don't, they're completely gone. And the same is with Amazon. When you want to buy something and there's like five different variations to choose, you're kind of like, if you have money or, you know, everything is like just kind of in that windy hustle. So then you're kind of like, just, you know, you're picking whatever it is, you know, who I, you don't really care too much. These days, you know, you're thinking twice before you're spending, you're actually looking at the reviews, actually reading the reviews, looking at the products, you're actually doing a return more. And you kind of see Amazon is also starting recently updating, like they're writing if the product is frequently returned and the, the other stuff are also coming out. So people are actually very more like skeptical and looking more around. So, you know, what I would say is that for the good sellers, you know, I still see them thriving, still see them making money. And good sellers are also... It's not just that they're making sure that the product is a good product and they have good reviews and, you know, they say your product actually has to solve a problem. You know, you you actually really have to have something good to sell, but, you know, usually these businesses are also on top of their books and they made sure to be profitable, profitable last year. So they're making sure to be profitable this year and they're kind of going to be, you know, going through. So the people have good businesses, the way we see it are pretty much look like they're able to hang through the recession. Maybe they might need to downsize a little bit to kind of stay a little bit in the loop and then they'll expand again. Um, the other companies who like didn't really have a business or just jump straight into it and don't have a real strategy. Now, when it's just harder to sell, it's you can't just do what you did last year. So those people are kind of like fizzling out. That's kind of the way we see you moving around and. Yeah, so it's it's just like, you know, you have to really be on top and just make sure that you know you know what you're selling and make sure that you listen to your customers and you're doing it the right way so you can kind of just keep on moving and thriving through. Yeah, and yeah. I think you're definitely right. People are being a lot more choosy with where they spend their money and a lot more doing a lot more due diligence before they place an order. I I just moved and got a new desk and the listing title said it was X dimensions within the product photography were totally different dimensions. And I'm like, well, I can't really trust what I'm buying here. I'm going to go to a different seller. So that's kind of a conversation about, you know, listing optimization and things. But when you talk about the good sellers that are going to make it through and ride out the recession, they're obviously doing something right. But what are some of the things that you see sellers do to, to lose them the most money, maybe the most common bad practices? Cause we're not talking about not a lot of sellers have like a, uh, a lot of overhead. So where are they kind of losing out on this money? So 
I'll, I'll talk from a bookkeeping perspective, you know, where kind of um, hands-on, you know, we have the software where we're serving over a thousand customers. And then we also do bookkeeping and consulting on the side. Um, it's not on the side, just a separate company where I'm more involved on a, on a hands-on basis. So I'll share with you some stories. Here's a story with a customer who was doing very well the last two years. And they were, they were huge. They're, I don't know, like you're talking, uh, I don't know, probably 40, 50 million in sales. And they never, they never really anticipated what's going on in the business. And meaning anticipating, they never really like ducked through it and never, they never had a normal bookkeeper. And, you know, they were paying the bills. Now, the reason why everything was, you know, so good the last few years, because let's say the business made a million dollars a year profit, but the business also lost a half a million dollars a year half a million dollars a year so they technically they could have avoided a half a million dollars a year in losses but they had no clue and now basically now they're up to they're, they only made a half a million now what ended up happening is that there were certain products that were contributing a lot to the growth and they're having issues with those few items and they're running like, let's say they're running around 50 million in sales. So let's say like 20 million in sales were contributing to 80% of the profit. And the other 30 million weren't really contributing anything, contributing maybe 5%. So by not having by not having the proper books and by not having a very detailed bookkeeping to understand what's going on in the business, the minute things move a little bit downwards, they're kind of struggling. And that's what they're going through now. And these days, people are returning a lot more. Amazon fees have gone up. Supply chain has gone up. Everything is moving the complete different direction. And they are having these few issues. And now they're kind of under the water already for the last six months. So it's what I would say is that, especially with bigger companies, if they don't have a strong grip on their bookkeeping, they don't have a strong grip. I mean to say, if you don't get from your bookkeeper every single month a proper P&L, and you don't see what your gross profit is and what your net profit is. And it's not just about making about making books. I can make books that will show you profit. I can make books that show you loss. You have to have the real numbers. You know, sometimes I have to have tough conversations with customers. Like we tell them, hey, you really haven't been making money. And the guy's like so upset at me. You did something wrong. It's like, look, I'm not lying to you. This is the last thing I want to do. I'm telling you the truth. This is what it is. So you have to make sure. And, and there's also a lot of ways, especially with a lot of big accounts. I mean, I have many times gone into certain companies, for example, I'll give you one of the biggest things where people can't sell off is cost of goods sold. Now, if you're running a private label with 10 items and you know how much each product costs you, it's simple, straightforward. But if you're running, let's say, four to 500 different SKUs and then these customers are running 20,000 different SKUs, you have to make sure that you have the proper cost. And for example, I... I once showed a customer that he's losing money and I showed him like your profit margins are low. He's like, it doesn't make sense. So we picked up a product and it showed that he made, um, it showed that he made no money. He's like, I was supposed to make $7 on that item. So I said, okay. And how did, can you show me how you plan it? Oh, he went to the Amazon FBA calculator, put in the product and shows that after all the Amazon fees, supposed to make $7. I said, number one, you forgot to account for your returns. You got, you forgot to account for unsellable returns. You didn't include PPC. You, there's so many other stuff that you just didn't include. Like, what what were you thinking? I was actually shocked. This is, we're talking about a seller doing 50 million. Like, people like just, and, and there's a lot of other ones like that out there. They just, they don't know. They just put in the calculator and moved it. So 
you know, understand making sure that the cost of goods sold is accurate and making sure the all the fees are accounted for is not something that's easy to do. And you know, Amazon fees could be easier to account for because you can use software like ConnectBooks or any of the other programs out there that can account for it. But cost of goods sold also depends a lot on your own system. Like I've seen many people using um, complicated softwares or like using SellerCloud or GoFlow or NetSuite, any of those type of softwares where you need to make sure that the cost of goods sold is reporting. We actually had a, another customer who did probably like $80 million in sales last year. And they were using a very complicated ERP, which the problem with these complicated ERPs, you have to be like a real guru to know that stuff are accurate. And we actually built some features around that to help customers in that part. But when we finished, when we actually didn't do the bookkeeping, we were just like consulting for them. When they finished that, their P&L was understated with $2 million. Now, when a company that has 100 employees and it makes $2 million, I say it's a nice profit, you know? It's, it's, it's not something small that made $2 million a year. But when they finished and they realized that, hey, they're off, their P&L is off of $2 million, you know, kind of the whole dynamics of the business changed. So what happens is a lot of them, like, if you don't have a strong grip, understanding what I would say is, like, the two key aspects I always like to look at. I mean, I would say I've put it down to three. I mean, the third one is the easiest one, knowing your overhead. That should be pretty easy. What your payroll is, basic expenses, knowing that. Next thing what I would say is understanding what your gross profit margin is. Um, how much are you profiting before you, you know, after all Amazon fees before the cost and making sure you have the accurate cost. So you kind of like in line. So if you do like some KPIs where like, you know that your margin before overhead has to hit 15% and the minute you don't hit that margin, you know, like, hey, something is wrong. And then you kind of start digging and you kind of can find where the problem is. So that's really, really important. And I find a lot of sellers have a very hard time with that. Um, you know, the bigger accounts that people have like very good CFOs and stuff like that usually have it hammered down. But another end, I find people like really struggling on that part. And when the times are changing, I'm seeing a lot of bigger accounts like really nailed down to it. And, you know, the reason why people haven't nailed down to it last year is because last year, let's say they were making two million, but they lost a million and they didn't really care. Or not that they didn't care, they didn't know to care. Mm -hmm. And as long as they made one million, they were happy with it. Now that that million that made last year is drying up a little bit because the economy's down and the losses are still kicking in, you know, they kind of have to like balance it better. So that's kind of, you know, like how, you know, how it's, how people lose a lot of money. I'm talking from the bigger accounts and stuff that, you know, I have seen in the last three months from quite some big Amazon sales, which I didn't see this last year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nachman, what about, uh, you brought up a couple of good points I want to kind of touch on. You know, you were saying that like the person thought they were making a profit and they weren't taking in consideration like PPC, probably even storage fees, things like that. Um, so Amazon is notorious for making changes, right? And not necessarily telling any, everyone. I was talking to the seller and they were actually, I think, in the process of selling their company or getting ready to and I think it was last November, Amazon made some changes. Their company, uh, not your company, a different company didn't catch some of those changes. So when they were doing the books, it looked like they were actually making a better profit than they were. And they just had not discovered that Amazon made some changes. How do you guys deal with that when Amazon makes changes and maybe it's not reflecting correctly in the person's uh, accounting system? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've been there a few, I mean, not me, but I've had these stories a few times where people, you know, dealt with customers that wanted to sell and, you know, they had their, um, you know, they had this, uh, they, they had their P&L, how much money they were supposed to make and to do the due diligence process stuff have changed. And, you know, they kind of come back to me. It's kind of a pain. Most of the times the problem was related to they didn't have proper bookkeeping um, they didn't have bookkeeping set up the right way in the beginning and, you know, just didn't do stuff right in the beginning. And then through the due diligence process, um, stuff got uncovered. And the, you know, the answer is if you do the due diligence right away, meaning if you set up the books right away in the beginning and you make sure it's done right, then by the time you come there, you shouldn't have any problems. Now to answer your other question, when Amazon makes changes, as many changes Amazon makes, your book should always be right no matter what. Um, on our end, Amazon has refactored their API, which I think you guys are aware of and everyone is aware of. Um, they have moved from, they have changed code bases. Um, we had to have a separate development team working for six months to just recode everything that we have built to work with the new API. And so that every other app who wants to stay in business. So we're on top of the changes. We're on top of every time everything comes out. But I want to answer your question in a different form. So in bookkeeping, there's something called a bank reconciliation. Now, if I was to give you a profit and loss of your business and I was to show you that you made $100,000 last month, how do we know it's accurate? Maybe um, you gave somebody a check for $20,000 that's not accounted for. So how do we make sure? Like every time I give you books, I'm going to go through like 15 different bank accounts to, to know what's going on. The answer is no. So what we do is something called a bank rec. A bank rec means is that we take your bank statement and we make sure the beginning balance matches is in QuickBooks. So let's say in the beginning of the month, you have $100,000. Then let's say another $100,000 came in and let's say $50,000 went out. So then at the end of the month, you should have $150,000. So if the beginning balance and the ending balance matches to the bank account, then we know every dollar that came in and every dollar that went out is accounted for and it's 100% accurate. And that will happen, meaning I'm giving you an easy example of $100,000. But you're talking about your balances, $100,152 and 25 cents. And then you have like 100 checks coming in, 100 checks going out, and still it all matches, mm -hmm. then it's accurate. So what we do in bookkeeping is we have something called a bank reconciliation, which we reconcile the books every second, every month. And to make sure the books are properly reconciled, um, you know, if your books are reconciled, then you shouldn't have any issues when it comes to the due diligence process. Now, where where we where ConnectBooks is very different than a lot of other accounting softwares, and where I would say where we shine a lot is making sure the books are accurate. Now, what I see a lot of times people do is they try to make QuickBooks into like a whole um, ERP system. Like they try to ship mm -hmm. orders from QuickBooks, they try to do stuff from QuickBooks, which I'm completely against of. QuickBooks is an amazing software. I spend it probably most of my day, um, busy with it all day, and I love it. But it has its limitations. And I would say its limitations is it's not meant to ship orders. Yes, if you ship out 10 orders a day, you can do it from QuickBooks. And if you're planning your business to stay at 10 orders a day, yes, then do it. But the minute your business is going to start scaling to 500 orders a day, you're not going to be able to create 500 invoices every single day in QuickBooks and ship it to customers. You're, all of a sudden, your QuickBooks is going to get slow. Your QuickBooks is going to start breaking. It's going to start issuing. So be, that being said, when we bring data into QuickBooks, we don't, our focus isn't on shipping out orders or our focus isn't about 
um, like managing multi-channels through QuickBooks. We do multi-channel. We do Shopify, we do eBay, Walmart, all Amazon marketplaces. Our goal is when we bring data into QuickBooks is to have proper bookkeeping. Now, we the way we do it is we summarize it. And so that's how it takes up less data. And we make sure the important parts you need are in QuickBooks. Now, one of the most important parts that we do is that we make sure when we bring the data from Amazon into QuickBooks, it matches your bank account. So what happens is let's say you're an Amazon seller and you're doing $200,000 in sales. Now let's say Amazon took off $100,000 in fees. So Amazon's giving you now $100,000. So that's your end deposit, 100,000. When I bring those sales into QuickBooks, the way we do it is we bring in the sales, 200,000, we minus off the fees, and then we will bring in a payment, which that would match exactly what came into your bank account, and that would be $100,000. So the point is that when we bring the data into QuickBooks, we don't just we don't bring in every single day orders. First of all, it's going to ruin the QuickBooks. Second of all, the second problem what happens is if you bring in the orders every single day, by the time you get paid, you have to now go through your QuickBooks and reconcile those two weeks of orders because otherwise you could be missing orders or they can be enter double. And I've seen that many times. And mm -hmm. there is no way to do it unless you spend like four days. Um, so the, the benefit of us doing it this way is that we know they're 100% accurate because by the time the data comes in, it all comes in at one time and it matches back to your bank. So there's no guesswork involved. If you see it's, if you see like the, the, the payment in there and the balance of all the invoices that Connectbooks created for that customer is paid, then you know it's all good. Mm -hmm. And you know it's there. Now, the second part of your bookkeeping is to reconcile the bank. So you know that when you make sure that you started off the month with 100000 now 100000 was supposed to come in from Amazon, you should see that deposit coming into your books through QuickBooks, meaning through ConnectBooks. ConnectBooks should be the one creating that. And if you don't see it, then you know you didn't export. So it's a kind of a very like bulletproof process to make sure it's done right and to make sure it's properly accounted for. And with our customers... Um, I can say that we never had an issue where somebody has thought that they were making money and tried to get an LOI and then came back to me and say, hey, you know, we tried to sell. We couldn't sell because the books were inaccurate. I never had that issue because the way we do it, it's 100% accurate. And we're always we always keep it in that format. And that's how we can always know that, you know, people do it. And as a matter of fact, we're actually converting over customers from other platforms just for this particular reason, meaning these other good softwares out there that do bookkeeping and they do ConnectBooks integrations. And, you know, but in terms of the way their vision and their focus is very different than ours, they're not focused on clarity. They're not focused on accounting. They're focused on, they're trying to do everything. And, you know, they say they have the, they have the saying, a jack of all trades is none, like something like that. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to do like everything. They're trying to do um, order management, shipping, and then they connect the ship station and this and that. And then they're, they can do everything through QuickBooks and then kind of everything comes crashing down. So that's kind of where I see it, you know, going very different. And, you know, that's where um, I see a lot of people coming to us is because they want to have it accurate. They want to have it clean. And they want to know when they see a P&L at the end of the month, if this is the money it says they made, this is the actual money. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to take a quick break. And, and then I want to ask you, Nachman, about what sellers should be looking for in a bookkeeping service provider to be sure that it's the right match for them and they're getting a reputable one. So uh, that'll be right after this short break. Did you know that Amazon probably owes you money for FBA reimbursements? Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at katita.com slash sellernomics. 
So be sure to head over to katita.com forward slash sellernomics for that first 400 FBA reimbursements free. Again, on with Nachman Laser with Connect Books. You've talked a lot about the Connect Books uh, methodology, which is amazing and how you guys kind of have created this bulletproof system and lots of checks and balances and due diligence. But for a seller who just cannot wrap their hands around the bookkeeping process like Rob and I would be able to be, uh, how do they know that they're hiring on a, a reputable bookkeeper? Like, what are some of the things that they can look for to be sure that they're not going to be hiring a service that's going to give them incorrect numbers? I mean, is there a way to do that? Um, sure. So that's a very, very good question. And ultimately, um, you know, I could say it in any industry. Like, let's say taking somebody to do your Google Ads. Do you know if they're good? Do you know if they're not good? Only after you flush money for a year for them, usually, well, you know, <laughs> that's one way. But ultimately, that's not the answer you want from me. So I actually have a very good solution for this. Um, so just to kind of like break it up a little bit, ConnectBooks is an integration platform that connects to Amazon and pulls the data into QuickBooks. We also have a bookkeeping company on the side, um, you know, which we can do like a full package of full bookkeeping. Now, the software you can use it on your own. You don't need to hire us for your bookkeeping. And I would say less than 5% of ConnectBooks users actually hire us for bookkeeping because a lot of people either have in-house or they have bookkeepers, they have relationships they've been using for the last few years and they still want to continue using them and they go on their own. So with um, with one of the things I've been doing recently on ConnectBooks and we actually started working this very heavily is if you go on our website, you see something called find an accountant or bookkeeper. Um, I mean, it's pretty new, the website, meaning the page is pretty new. And we are adding on a lot of bookkeepers and accountants as we go along. Now, I am not adding on anybody. It's not like if you want to, if you call me up and say, hey, you know, I'm going to send you business, put us on. No, the answer doesn't work that way. It works that way is I have a conversation with the, with the accountant. Um, we usually make sure that they have at least two to three e-commerce clients we make sure that they understand how e-commerce bookkeeping is. And also they have to agree to, you know, to work with the ConnectBooks methodology and kind of work this way. So well, one of the things we're starting to offer now is kind of like a vetting process um, where basically like when a customer comes in, one of the things we ask them like, okay, usually when on a call, like, so who's going to be doing the bookkeeping? So sometimes a business owner can say, look, I can do it myself. It's pretty simple. Someone says, look, it looks very overwhelming. I need a bookkeeper. And then we kind of like look at the company type. I'll see mm -hmm. what type of bookkeeping they want. There's, we have different ways how to do it, meaning there's more detail, less detailed. And then we kind of look what their price range is and what kind of service they want. Somebody says, look, my budget is only $500. So we can pair them up with somebody who is competent for 500. Now, the reason is if you rely on us, we're putting our name out there. So that's I said before, I don't, I don't just put anybody up there. Who I put up is people who I vetted. And we know that... They know what they're doing, and a lot of them have been working with us for already a few years with many other ConnectBus customers. Like if somebody who I've been working with already for two years, and you know, I see we also see based on support chats that come in, right? If an accountant asks a question, we see right away if they know what they're talking, if they don't know what they're talking, and you know, we always help them, but we kind of know, you know, who we can rely on. So if they're looking for somebody really reputable to do their bookkeeping and they don't have one. You know, they can reach out to us, um, call us in and, you know, we'll definitely hook them up with the right person and making sure that the person knows what's being done. And like we, we don't charge we don't charge extra for that. It's part of the ConnectBook service that will match you with a bookkeeper. 
it's not like it's a fee. That's excellent. That. Yeah. API I, I, and I know some, I know some people are going to have to send your way for sure. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, Nogman, why don't you tell us a little bit about ConnectBooks? Like, how did you get it started? What brought you to the point that you're like, I need to help people out with their books, which like Lisa said, her and I would definitely need help. So some people just need help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, I, I, I can relate to it. I can relate to you know, people help because there's stuff that I don't like to do. And I always look for people like me in other industries. But nice. so my background is I used to work as a CFO in a large company. And at the same time, I went to school. I actually have a master's degree in accounting. Um, I graduated school from FDU and I was looking to you know, more go the CPA track, but had a hard time at that. So I decided to open a bookkeeping company because I was basically running the bookkeeping in this large wholesale company. I decided to open a bookkeeping company to work with small and medium-sized businesses. So I started that and just, and then like five months into the process, Amazon sellers who actually they were looking to sell their business, but it was one partner was buying out the second partner. Now partner A was mm. partner B, but partner B was not a 50% partner. Partner B was only a partner and like, they were private label. They had like 10 items, but partner B was only a partner of three out of the 10 items. So they needed good bookkeeping to understand how much profitability they're making per product. They also had to split the overhead and a lot of other fees to kind of have a proper analysis, how much money this partner is making and that's how they can do a proper buyout. So that's kind of where I got introduced to the Amazon industry. And they were kind of telling me, you know, there's no software, there's no nothing. And, you know, if you can do something and help people. And then I got another few Amazon sales approaching me, kind of the same work. And after working like six months on all different types of spreadsheets, I was like, if I can all take this, you know, put this into software and automate it, I can build my business. Now, originally I didn't build ConnectBooks for, you know, for, I built originally for just for my bookkeeping company, but as I started talking to people, they were like, look, we have in-house bookkeepers or like we're big companies. Like we can't outsource the small company, you know, the whole bookkeeping, but we would definitely use your product. So that's kind of when I changed it too. And, you know, we kept our bookkeeping company separate where we focus on small to medium sized businesses um, doing, you know, on Am and we only focus these days on Amazon businesses in our bookkeeping. And then we created the product and we kind of, you know, go from there. One point which I would want to make, which a lot of people ask me, is they say like, you know, I have an accountant and my accountant takes care of everything at the end of the year. Why do I need a bookkeeper? Or why do I need books? You know, big deal, he files my return. So I kind of say the difference is, there's a very big difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper. The accountant has one thing in mind, maximizing tax deductions. And you know, today's tax day and they wanna get your tax returns in and they say, I'll see you next year. A bookkeeper, is kind of who's going to work with you hand in hand on a monthly basis. Now, at the end of the month, if the numbers are not what you want it to be, who you're calling? You're not calling your accountant because your accountant only sees your books once a year. And mm -hmm. he in one hour, your accountant is not going to have enough time to do an, enough deep, thorough analysis of your business to understand where you're making and where you're losing. Bookkeepers are more the granular. They're not focusing on maximizing tax deductions but they're focusing on giving you that profit and loss as we described earlier to make sure that you account for every penny and making sure stuff are done right and knowing your profit margins, know your break even points. That's really where the bookkeepers come into play. So if your business is that you wanna really understand on a month to month basis of how well your business is doing, that's kind of where you wanna focus more of a bookkeeper. If you don't care about it, then you just want somebody to file your taxes. Yeah, then maybe just go with the accountant. 
I'm glad that you explained the difference between the two, even though it's silly. I don't know it. My mother's a bookkeeper and I have an accountant who I talk to once a year. So <laughs> I should know the difference, but I, I think that gives people a better understanding. Um, Nachman, thank you so much. I, I think that you might have a special offer for our listeners. Yes, Is that right? We do have a special offer. So we're going to offer 20% off for the first three months. And wow. the code is Gadita. Just to know that it will, it's only for the first 25 redemptions. So guys listening to it, you better hurry because soon there won't be anything left. Yes. Yeah, so again, that's, and they just go to connectbooks.com yeah. and hit sign up and put in the code. Yeah. When they come to the page where we ask them for the credit card form, they're going to see there's a button there at coupon and that's where they'll put in the coupon code Gadita. But we do offer a 30 day free trial. So, you know, they won't get charged for the first 33 days. And then after the 30 day trial, the following three months, you know, they'll get 20% off. Awesome. And that's only for the first 25 signups. So exactly. guys, if you're hearing this or if you're viewing this on release day, sign up today because it's going to go out quick. So again, yeah. that's connectbooks.com and the coupon code is Gitita for your first 20% off. I'm sorry, 20% off for the first three months. And that's even after the 30 day after trial. After the 30 day, yeah. So that's yeah. four discounted months. That's that's a free month and then and then an extra. So amazing. Nachman, thank you so yeah. much. And uh, we're actually going to have you on show us what you got as well so that we can see the software that you've created. So everybody definitely be sure to come back and, and look for that episode as well. We'll tag it in this one, but thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wonderful. And we will see everybody on the next one. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for joining us this week on the Sellernomics podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, Gatita. Did you know that Amazon probably owes you money for FBA reimbursements? Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics. Be sure to join us again next week for more great tips on how to grow your business. And thanks again for listening.